We're going to give you some information at the end and some resources today uh, to help you invite people. We are in the middle of our Christmas series simply entitled Behold. And we uh, last week we spoke about Behold, a virgin will conceive. And we uh, preached an entire message on the doctrine of the virgin birth of Jesus. And so um, I don't know about you, but for me, in preparation for that, I tried to think back, and I'm not sure that I had ever heard a sermon uh, dedicated, per se, uh, to that. And so I hope that we uh, not only learned something from that, but we became uh, just a little more secure and firm um, in our faith last Sunday um, in the importance of the virgin birth. This series, Behold, is basically statements that we find in Scripture that either come directly after the word behold or they are a declaration. Behold is a word that stops your attention. Behold is a word that requests you to at least look at something or focus your attention on something. And so uh, last week was the virgin birth of Jesus. Um, This week we are going to be in Luke chapter number two. I'm sure you were surprised. Luke chapter number two. And this week we are simply speaking on the topic, good tidings of great joy. Good tidings of great joy. Joy. It's a a word that I believe that uh, theologians and pastors and preachers have attempted to explain to churches throughout the years and have done a pretty good job of it. Uh, The difference between joy and happiness, if I've heard uh, preaching on that one time, I've heard it 3,800 times on the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is based on happenings, and joy is a decision, you know, that doesn't matter about your circumstances. And and I will say this, as I was thinking about joy, I thought about the truth that joy does not reside under our circumstances, okay? Joy flows through our circumstances. Does that make sense? Like our joy is not suppressed by our circumstances. Our joy flows through. Now, that does not void our lives of those circumstances. You see, joy on the mountaintop looks different than joy in the valley. A joy at a time of celebration is going to be more obvious, and it's going to be a smile on your face. It's going to be, I wore a Wet Bandits, no, that's not our worship band's name or anything, but uh, I wore a Wet wet Bandits uh, uh, shirt today. Just a smile on my face. It's Christmas. I'm ready to go. I feel like Buddy the Elf. All right, I'm ready. I'm having spaghetti and syrup for, uh, for lunch today. No. But joy in the valley can look like losing a loved one and grieving. But because of Jesus, sustaining through it. Joy in the valley can look like tears. But with an undercurrent of contentment in Christ. And so joy is different. Happiness is very visible, and, and I believe, obviously, happiness is a byproduct of, of joy in our lives. 
but joy. That, that thing in our lives that brings us that just unwavering steadfastness. And so I want your help this morning. I don't usually do this. But I want your help this morning as a part of my introduction. I'm going to ask you to give me some feedback. Everybody ready? Because you can't fall asleep. All right? Especially my daughters. All right, here we go. Um, what is something that adds to your joy? Now, don't give me the answer. I'm getting to Jesus. Okay? I'm talking about just like legitimate things in your life that add to your joy. Anybody? Raise your hand. Tell me. Or you can just blur it out. Debbie. Her grandson. There you go. That's a perfect example. Adds to your joy. Somebody else. What adds to your joy? Getting out of church on time. Hey, since Brian wasn't here last Sunday, I want everybody to make sure you let him know that by 11.01, I was walking off that stage. And so I was like, you know, Brian's not here today. Let's get out on time. Uh, getting out of, what adds to your joy? What adds to your joy? Avery? Her puppy. There you go. Ellie Mae, member of the family. Um, her puppy adds to her joy. What adds to your joy? Somebody blurt it out. What's that? Naps as a mother of a toddler, right? <laughs> Naps add to your joy, Aaron. I can only imagine. Naps give you a little breather from Cora and Chris. <laughs> All right, well, that's your joy. Football, there, who said that? That's what I'm talking about. All right, football. Football, I like it. Add your joy, Jack. Food. There you go. Enjoying life. Enjoying life. Chris, I hope nothing adds to your joy. You have all the joy you need right there. All right, there you go. All right, good. So I don't, don't raise your hand. Andrew, what is it? Children. Man, perfect. Perfect example. Our children, I hope they add to your joy. We'll talk about that in a minute. What adds to your joy? Anybody else? Friends. Good friends. John. Family. Thanksgiving, man. Thanksgiving added to my joy. You had food, football, family. I mean, what's not to love, right? And, and I'm here today as we open up God's word and as we look at this text today. I am here today not to take anything that we just said and throw it away. I am not here today to tell you that none of those things should bring you joy. That it should only be Jesus. And Je I'm not. Notice my choice of words. I ask you this. What adds to your joy? What adds to your joy? Behold, good tidings of great joy. Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 8. If you have your Bibles, please follow along. If you don't. Words will be on the screen, or you can open up an app. I've got no problem with that. Verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one to the other, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Heavenly Father, would you speak through your word today? Would you guide my thoughts? Would you guide my words? May we leave here joyful during this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What an incredible announcement. You see these shepherds and really all of the Jews, if you want to look at it that way, for the last 400 years had sat through a period of divine silence. If you think back in context of Scripture, the Old Testament ends at the end of the book of Malachi. It also ends at the end of the book of Nehemiah. And for all of those years, there were the major prophets and the minor prophets. You had prophets who spoke to the people on behalf of God. And then prophets who would then speak to God on behalf of the people and would advocate for the people. And so for the children of Israel, for those who would claim Yahweh as their, as their God, they had this tangible prophet. They had Isaiah, they had Jeremiah, they had Micah, they had Joel, they had all these prophets who would represent God on a tangible physical level. And sometimes those prophets would bring great news. Oftentimes, those prophets would do what? They would warn of judgment. They would warn of sin. They would warn of the things to come. But at the conclusion of the Old Testament, there is no record of a prophet, per se. We have a 400-year period of silence. We have a lot of prophecies, especially in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Micah, we have a lot of prophecy about this Messiah who is to come, but for 400 years, there's nothing. Are you like me? Is like 400 years in Bible years like three years to you, right? Oh yeah, for a couple of years, I didn't hear from anybody. No, for like longer than America has been in existence. For 400 years. They didn't hear. I'm not going to lie, if there was a foretold event that was talked about often 400, 500, 600 years ago, probably by now you and I may have taken our focus off of it. It hasn't come true. We haven't seen anything. And sure, we would go to, you know, back then they would go to Sabbath school. 
they would go to the synagogue and they would get their theological training as children and they would learn these things. But over time, generation, 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 it has to get lost a little bit. And so here we have these shepherds and they are given this bold proclamation that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And it doesn't end there. It wasn't just an angel that appeared. It was a multitude of angels, a choir of angels led by, now that you don't see this, this is if you really study it, led by Tim Currington. Just kidding. The Jewish choir director over there. But they were singing glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want us to think through this. This topic of joy, especially early on how it relates to what was going on in the world and these shepherds. Behold, good tidings of great joy. Number one, I want us to see this. Joy was experienced in the everyday. These angels, this angel pronounced joy. Good tidings of great joy. Joy was experienced in the everyday. I don't know about you this morning, but sometimes my everyday can get a little monotonous. Every day I drive my girls to school. Every day I do my best to drive past Bojangles, past Biscuitville, past McDonald's, past Chick-fil-A, and not eat breakfast. Every day. Every day I come into the office here and I open up my Bible app and I follow my reading plan for my Bible and every day I every day I every day I every day I notice here in verse 8 they were in the same country shepherds they were living out in the fields and they were keeping watch over their flock by night, joy was experienced in the everyday. I find it significant that the most epic announcement in human history, the most important announcement that we would ever hear in human history, the most newsworthy, the most tweetable, the most important spiritual event up to that time was not given to the high-level political leaders at a meeting somewhere. It was not given at a presidential ball or it was not given at the party of a rich family where all of the well-to-do people were. The announcement of good tidings of great joy this morning came to the lowly shepherd. Came to the normal citizen. Came to the everyday Worker came to the boring, mundane job of a shepherd. 
It came not to the upper class, but to the lower, maybe lower middle class of the day. The angel's announcements even, uh, the announcement even included this caveat. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The rich, the poor. The seemingly significant, the seemingly insignificant. The seemingly important, high status of culture, the seemingly unimportant. But not only did joy come to everyday people, joy arrived to everyday people while they were doing everyday work. The life of a shepherd, I've never personally been a shepherd. Not sure if anybody else in here has been. Um, but I've never personally been a shepherd. But I'm assuming a lot of long days and long evenings outside with dirty, stinky, nasty sheep. Cold in the winter, hot in the summer. Traveling around, keeping your sheep safe from the outside animals that would come in and prey on them. I'm sure over time they didn't have... You know, nice shepherd's rest areas where the shepherds could go in and pick a number and wait for their shower. I'm sure the life of a shepherd got old very quickly. I think back in the Old Testament, I think of Moses and his waiting period. You remember the 40 years, 40 years, 40 years, 40 years of waiting? He was a shepherd on the backside of the desert. I think the backside probably uh, probably defines what being a shepherd felt like, you know. But what can we learn from this? Day after day, night after night, out in the field, watching the sheep. What can you and I learn? We can learn this. Joy can and should be experienced by everyday people doing everyday things. Joy does not have to be experienced only in the amazing, over-the-top, obvious points and events of our lives. It is most commonly experienced with boring, normal people, just like you and just like me. Doing boring, normal things, just like you do and just like I do. We can experience joy, follower of Jesus, if we will not get weary in well-doing, Shepherd, Christian, follower of Jesus, if we'll keep showing up to the life that God has prepared for us, we can experience joy in the everyday, mundane rhythms of life. I don't know if you remember being a kid. I still do this somewhat. Knowing that you're going on vacation. You remember? Your parents are like, hey, we're going wherever. We didn't really take cool vacations when I was a kid, but wherever we went. You're going to your grandmother's uh, again. Um, on, on Christmas Day, we used to go to Waffle House. That was cool. The only time of the year we'd go to Waffle House. Sanitation grade B minus. It was perfect. Um, but you know that leading up 
And it's like, man, I can't wait to go on vacation. I can't wait to go on vacation. I can't wait to go to Disney. I can't wait to go to Disney. I want to go to Disney. I want to go on vacation. I want to do this. I want to do this. And you get so worked up about it. And then it gets there and it's over so quickly. And you're like, man, what just happened? Like, I'm already done with this or I'm already done with that. And, like, we have to train our children to, like, live in the moment, enjoy what's going on at that time. Don't look too far ahead. Don't get too far behind. And just enjoy where you're at. Well, can I say this? Adults who are no longer children, listen, can we get away from having to live from, like, spiritual high to spiritual high? Spiritual vacation to spiritual vacation to spiritual vacation to spiritual vacation, to experience joy? Can we find joy in Emory waking up in the middle of the night and losing a little bit more sleep? But you know what? Finding joy in just being a parent. Can we find joy in getting up and going to work and saying, thank God? Can we find joy even in like a dysfunctional family? Because you know what? That's my dysfunctional family that God gave me. That's my crazy uncle over there. Can we find joy in being a shepherd? Just watching sheep, if that's what God has for us. And listen, this morning I want us, as we think through this Christmas season, may we not be a Christmas, Easter anniversary Sunday, Christmas, Easter, anniversary Sunday. And I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm saying just like we have to live for that next like high. Can we just find joy when we show up to church and half of these seats are, <laughs> are taken? It's okay. Find joy in that. Can you find joy in just eating at like a normal restaurant having a normal meal, I fall victim sometimes, if I'm honest, to needing a high. And during this Christmas season, I believe what one of the things we can learn from the story is that joy was experienced in the everyday. Take some time this week when things that maybe used to really irk you and get under your skin, take some time this week to breathe, and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Secondly, this morning, what can we learn from this text and from this subject, really, of joy from Luke chapter 2? Secondly, we can learn that joy, well, first of all, joy was experienced in the everyday. Secondly, joy was experienced in the presence of fear. Joy was experienced in the presence of fear. Look at verse 9 in our text in Luke chapter 2. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. By the way, what an incredible scene that this would have been. As they're doing their everyday work and they're taking care of the sheep and they're making sure that uh, no prey come and, and the glory of the Lord shines around them. I don't know what it looked like. I don't understand fully. But the angel of the Lord stood before them, and they were greatly afraid. Remember, even if you knew, hey, the Messiah is coming in this small time frame, within this, this week, 
even if you knew, and you're out there on the, in the desert at night, and you're watching sheep, and a light that's blinding, the glory of the Lord shines, I think there's cause for fear. I believe it's fully understandable, humanly speaking. And they were greatly afraid. My dad was a pastor for 45 years. And in uh, the King James Version, it says they were sore afraid, S-O-R-E. Like your hip is sore, your... That's not, is that the same word? Yes, yeah, same word. Uh, same way to spell it. And he would say, they were so afraid. And I'm like, no, Dad, there's an R-E on the end of that. But uh, they were greatly afraid. But then the angel in verse 10, he says to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, our, our thrust and text this morning, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Fear. They were greatly afraid. Fear. Fear is an unfortunate reality in our world as human beings. In your life and in my life, there is the presence of fear. Some mask their experience with fear better than others. But no matter how fearless you may be or you may seem to be, deep down in the recesses of your heart and your inner man, there is fear. If you have children, more than one child, you understand that sometimes fear can be manifest in different ways. It's funny to watch two children watch the same maybe movie and see their different reactions and the way that they process things. Or, uh, you know, in our family, if we were to take uh, both of our kids to like a haunted house, we would have one of our girls who'd be like, man, this is awesome. It's the best thing ever. Look at that. Oh, he just spit on me. Oh, that's so cool. And the other one, at the mention of getting out of the car at one of those places, would begin like hysterically crying and not wanting to go. And I won't tell you which one is which. Avery's the first one. Not going to lie. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, Avery don't care. Like scary movies, like she's cool. She's in. Kelsey, not so much. It's interesting to see how people process things in life that can cause fear. Sometimes we hide behind facades of men sometimes, you know, just to be stereotypical. Men sometimes kind of hide behind this emotionless, that includes fear, this emotionless facade. And I didn't mean to stereotype that, but that just... I believe it's an unfortunate reality. Fear of failure. Fear of being found out. You ever heard of imposter syndrome? You know what imposter syndrome is? It's like deep down you're like, I'm not sure if I'm legit. I think I am, but I'm not sure. And man, I don't want to get I don't want to get exposed. In, in the pastor world, there, there could be imposter syndrome. I was with a pastor this past week in Ohio, preaching in Ohio uh, for three days this past week, and I was with a very intelligent man, like brilliant pastor. And every now and then there's that little bit of like, man, I hope you don't ask me a question about that. Or like if he does, I hope he leads in a certain way, because, man, this dude is digging deep. 
And there's a little bit of that fear. How about this fear of the future? Fear of the unknown? Anybody like me have like fear of the life to come? That was my story for 19 years. And no matter how fearless you want to be, and no matter how fearless you seem to be, deep down in the recesses of your heart, there's fear. Fear of spiders, let's be real. How many of you got that one? Yeah, we got. How many manly men have a fear of spiders? Be honest, there we go. Fear of snakes, I'm with you on that too, yep. I have unfortunate news for you today on the topic of fear. Unfortunately, you, I don't believe that you will escape this reality. I believe that in our makeup as human beings, there will always be fear. Here's a word, a buzzword for us that I believe falls under the category of fear. Anxiety. Oftentimes is coupled with that. Fear, is a, fear and anxiety are valid parts of the human experience. But in this text, in the presence of fear, they were greatly afraid. They were sore afraid. Greatly afraid. The shepherds experienced good tidings of great joy. And may I say it to you this way very in a quotable form. Joy does not require the absence of fear. Joy this morning does not require the absence of fear. And may I say it to you this way. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you are waiting for anything and everything that causes you fear and anxiety to be removed from your life before you can experience joy, you will wait your entire life and rob yourself of the joy that Jesus offers you even in the middle of your fear. If you're waiting for fear to be removed... In order to experience joy as a follower of Jesus, it's not going to happen. We can experience joy in the middle of a, maybe a season of fear and anxiety, or we can experience joy in the middle of fear when we understand a couple of things that the shepherds understood. What is causing our fear is 100% controlled by a sovereign God. Listen to me this morning. What is causing our fear is 100% controlled by an all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, sovereign God. I'm afraid about my my future on this earth. What's going to happen in 10 years? That is under the control of our sovereign God. Listen, I have fear this morning about that next step at work. That is under the control of a sovereign God. I am afraid about what's the life to come. That is under the control of a sovereign God. What caused fear to the shepherds? The angel of the Lord appearing. Obviously under control. Of the sovereign God of the universe. What is causing you fear, the shepherds would realize, was controlled by a sovereign God. And then 
what they're about to realize, and it'll bring us to our final truth this morning, is on the other side of our fear often awaits blessing and hope. The shepherds were able to process their fear, were able to hear the announcement from the angel and the multitude of angels. Where did they head? Thirdly, joy was experienced in the presence of Jesus. Joy was experienced in the presence of Jesus. You see, we've seen that joy was experienced in the everyday, the mundane, the typical. We've seen that joy was experienced in the presence of fear. But thirdly, joy was experienced in the presence of Jesus. Look back in our text in verse 15. Luke chapter 2. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. What was the source of that joy? What was the announcement given by the angel and the multitude of the heavenly host? It was that Jesus was on the scene. That Jesus was here. The promised, foretold Messiah had made his way to Bethlehem. Jesus is joy. Jesus is our joy. We can find a source of joy that's everlasting in no one else. We can find temporary joy. We can find temporary happiness. We can find eternal joy nowhere outside of the name of Jesus. The shepherds came. Where did they come in verse 16? They came with haste. They came hastily to the source of joy. Jesus himself Good tidings of great joy was found in Jesus. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, and his name is Jesus. So shepherds, as you were doing your boring job, as you were out there once again another day, another night with those sheep, as you were afraid at the announcement that happened Jesus came the joy source the joy provider shows up and the shepherds run hastily to him I began today by asking you what adds to your joy I said it that way because the source of joy in the life of a follower of Jesus is Jesus. The source of joy. Now, I full well believe that Jesus gives us children, grandchildren, puppies, food, 
football, yelling at family. We're going down the list. Sure, Jesus affords us those additions, naps. He affords us those additions. But those are simply additions to the source of joy. If you want to look at it this way, remember when you were growing up, your bicycle? There was the hub of the wheel, and then there were all the spokes. And the hub of that wheel, joy, is Jesus. And he, man, he lets you have a lot of really awesome spokes in your life that bring you joy. But the source points to the hub, and that is Jesus. And may I just, as I've been very positive today, I've, as obviously a sermon on joy, I want to be upbeat and I want it to be a good thing. May I kind of end with this reality check? Naps add to our joy. But we need to come to a place where we're spiritually mature enough that if we no longer get naps, we still have joy. Andrew and I have, have similar aged kids. Mine are a tad bit older, but they're similar. Andrew and I, and Sarah and Nicole, by the way, we'll add them in there too. As parents, we have to understand the reality of like our children bring us joy, but we have to also have to understand the reality is as our children grow, sometimes they make really, really, really difficult choices. And the child that once brought us joy can sometimes bring us grief. And sorrow. And none of us like to think about that. But my question for myself today as a parent is, if that's no longer part of what adds to my joy, do I still find my joy in Jesus? Some of us mentioned family. Hey, listen, maybe things are going well in your family, but I think we all understand this. Family can be like a, like an explosive. And at any time it can... It can be really good, and then it can like, can we still be joyful if that addition to our joy is not the way it used to be? Good tidings of great joy. We can have great joy when we understand that Jesus is our joy, when we understand that joy does not fall under our circumstances, but that joy flows through our circumstances. Sure, it is impacted by our circumstances. Sure, we react differently during different circumstances, but joy flows through it. You know what flowing through it says? There was joy on one side of it, and there's going to be joy on the other side of it. I'm just getting through it. This Christmas, we have 14 days before Christmas. Can we renew our joy in Jesus? Can we, can we pack that we're going to renew our joy in Jesus? And then, honestly, let's enjoy this season of those things that add to our joy. Enjoy the family. Enjoy the friends. Enjoy the grandchildren. Enjoy the children. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the naps. Bless the Lord. Enjoy the food. Hallelujah. But 
Jesus is the source. And if all of those other things take a left-hand turn, Jesus is our source. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.